This is Michael Dolce with Secrets of the Sire. We do this every week, 8 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday nights, talking comics, movies, TV, and pop culture. In this particular case, though, we're coming at you live from New York Comic Con, and I'm joined by Mr. Buddy Scalera, and as always, my co-host, Mr. Hassan Godwin. Yeah, so we're basically just uh, hanging out back here and uh, covering the show as best as possible, listening to Buddy, his very interesting jokes about the comic book industry. Uh, we're in the back. We've got a ton of stuff here. We're happy to be here. We're relaxed. We're cool. We're groovy. We're great guys. Come meet us. So, buddy, we just figured we just finished up your uh, your wonderful panels at uh, New York Comic Con. Um, you've been doing this for a number of years now. Talk to us about the kind of panels that you run, and especially the creator connection, which I think is pretty important. Yeah, Mike. It's um, God. I've been doing this since around 1997 or so, when Wizard took over the Wizard World Chicago shows, and they they asked me to put on panels. So I started putting on panels with the one thing that I was really interested in, which was educational panels. Um, I've interviewed artists, writers, and all types of creators over the years. Um, at New York Comic Con, uh, they really wanted us to put on a strong panel for people who wanted to break in. So we do one on Friday. Today's the, the, the day that people who are breaking in, who are serious, they're taking off of work or school, and they're coming in. So I had um, a Marvel editor, uh, a Valiant editor, and a dynamite editor, which gave us a nice range of different editorial views. Uh, and I think what people learned, Mike, was that um, there are a number of ways to break in, um, but breaking in is just one of them. Being a consistent, reliable pro who uh, is honest about how much work they can get done in any given amount of time, those are big messages. And a lot of people want to break in, um, but a lot of people once they get in, often bomb out. And so what we really wanted to do today uh, was get insights from each one of these editors about the best way for people to break in and stay in. Very, very cool. And, and that theme of education, before we actually uh, replay the panel for our audience, that theme of education and breaking in and, and learning is something that you do with your own line of books um, from Comic Book School. So talk to us about Comic Book School real quick. Yeah, thank you for prompting me on that. I was... Uh, I came up with the idea accidentally of doing photo reference for comic artists and um, I had pitched it around and nobody wanted it. So I did the original programming of the CD-ROM. Now you're, you code, you build websites. I know that you're, in your real life you're very talented technically. Uh, and what I did was I just figured out how to create photo reference that would be very affordable for anybody who wanted to create comics and I, and I included tutorials. I did three CD-ROMs which then became six books. I didn't plan on becoming an educator, but like you, I have journalism in my blood. And one of the things I try to do, Mike, is say to people, look, I'm not going to tell you how to be a better creator. I'm going to ask really good questions of creators who are sitting there in their offices, in their studios, slogging it out every day, how to do this, and I ask them how they do it. So I'm really going at it as somebody who's very curious about the, this myself. I write comics myself. I'm constantly repitching my own work. And I think what you see in the panels that I run with Comic Book School is that there are a lot of other people who are interested in this as well. So I try to talk with the creators as peers. Um, I'm not going at them as a fan. And what I'm trying to help people to understand is you got to go at this seriously. It's really work. It's really a job. And you have to present yourself effectively and professionally because you never really know who you're going to run into and when your opportunity will be. 
And in addition to the photo reference books, you have your own line of comics. You have Midlife Crisis, Apocalypse Boulevard. Uh, tell the audience out there where they can find it and give the 30-second elevator pitch for both. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. So, you know, I will be completely transparent with everybody. Even though I'm doing some writing for Marvel, it's still hard for people like me and you to find publishers. So I'm not sitting around waiting for somebody to give me permission to make comics. I'm making my own comics. So the two you mentioned, Midlife Crisis, uh, the, the first one is about... Um, a superhero named Crisis who's in his mid-40s and sort of going through his own midlife crisis because he realizes not only was he never an A-list player or even a B-list player, he barely made it to the C-list. And now at 45, he's kind of going through this soul-searching period that a lot of people go through at that age where they realize, wow, my life didn't turn out quite as well as I was hoping it would. And then Apocalypse Boulevard is just my take on a modern action film where essentially we've been pitched into an apocalypse by minotaurs and harpies. But the story circles around um, people who were marginalized by society prior to the apocalypse but now have valuable skills. So I focus on a, on a valet driver and a mechanic, people who now can do something that's valuable, right? Our web design skills, not very useful when we go and think about the... Uh, the apocalypse, your ability to podcast, you're great podcast, but after the apocalypse, not very useful. So what it is is really a flip of what's important in society now versus what would be important in society after an apocalypse. So I've tried to find a good publisher for this, but Mike, you know what? The reality is, is people like us, we just have to do it. If we find a publisher and connect with it, people can find my work on Comixology or on comicbookschool.com. But if, if you're like us, you just have to do the work and not ask or look for anybody else's permission or validation. In this day and age, you can make a comic, get it online digitally. You don't even have to get it on Comixology. Just put it on your website as a download. This is the new way that people are breaking in. And if they're not breaking in, who cares? They're making comic books. And that's really what they want to do. This is Buddy Scalera. And without further ado, we're going to broadcast live. Well, not live because it's over already. But we're going to broadcast the replay of his comic book editors panel with Joe Rybant from uh, Dynamite, Warren Simons from Valiant, and Darren Sanchez from Marvel Comics. This is Secrets of the Sire. All right, so real quick, pulse from the crowd. Do you guys want to see the example of a pitch that was accepted by an editor, or does somebody have a question to lead off? Because if you don't, I'll, have, I'll leave room for questions after. Okay, one hand goes up. Go. Exa oh, example. All right. I, I, that was, I, I didn't know that was what that was. Okay. So, Joe, I'm going to show your sample script. I'm going to show it once. It's small. I get it. Yeah. I want you, and I'm going to, I have a zoomed in version. Uh, what I want you to see is how it's laid out. In the zoomed in version, you're going to lose some of that. Uh, and, and, and I think layout and formatting is important. So, Joe, this is an actual proposal. You can see it. As I said in the last panel, I'm pretty sure they made the projector blurry on right. purpose. I don't know if you can see it. But after this, if you sign up for the newsletter, I'll be putting this stuff on the website to show you what all these things are that you can't read right now. And if you need to move closer, do it. Joe, take it away. Yeah, Buddy mentioned um, Dynamite Entertainment obviously does a tremendous amount of licensed um, comics. Um, and licensing is basically taking someone else's character and paying them for uh, the rights to use that character in comic books and other – can be done in other media as well. Um, there's a lot of licenses out there. There's a lot of comics out there. Um, 
in my uh, increasing age, I'm very skeptical about a lot of things. And this was one of the things I was super skeptical about when we signed the deal, because I couldn't really think of a way to make Betty Page an interesting comic book character. She's an interesting character. There's a really <laughs> great movie about her that was done probably about 10 years ago. Um, but the content of what she's known for, to me, was problematic in trying to find the widest possible audience, which is always my goal. Um, and obviously, sometimes that skews you know, up or down. Um, but uh, there was a writer that I had worked with who had done some pulp stuff, um, and he is a super uh, Los Angeles guy. I mean, he's an old-school Los Angeles guy. His father was a writer, and he's a writer. And uh, I had the idea of just doing Betty in the 50s. I thought it was going to be really important to not try to put her in the present day. You know, you can do all that stuff. So I had just a very simple idea. I said, I want you to write Betty in the, in the 50s, and I want it to be in L.A., and she's a model, and she gets into adventures. You know, um, and I want to keep it uh, light. I don't want to over-sexualize any of it. So none of it's, so it's, it's an all-ages book in a form. Um, and that's what he gave to me, um, which is, for me, if, if I'm working with a writer that I know, and I knew, I knew David, that's exactly what I want to see. I don't want to see anything any longer at that particular stage, like a one-sheet, two-sheet, here's what I want to do, here's how the issues are going to break down, and then I can say, okay, this looks great, Let's talk about next steps. But I don't want a Bible from the start. Everyone else is, I mean, every, everything else works differently. These guys work with superhero universes. Some, you know, that stuff gets a little bit more expansive. So I was pretty happy with how this came out. Now, Warren, uh, same question. What do you look for in a proposal? Just so we have a pulse in the room, how many writers? How about mm -hmm. half? Well, half the room. Okay. Warren, what do you look for in a submission from a writer? Because I know that art, you can tell immediately if you think you want to know more. You know, I think uh, there was something that you said before when you were doing the introduction, which I'll just touch on briefly, uh, which is that uh, so much of your strength is going to come from your peer group. Uh, so many writers and artists who I work with uh, are huge advocates uh, uh, for their friends or for people that are their colleagues. So that's really important. Don't just try to go through editorial. Uh, you know, uh, try to build up a peer group of fellow artists and writers. You know, this is one of the only mediums in the world where probably 25 of the most talented people who've ever worked in our medium are upstairs in Artist Alley right now, and you can go talk to them, and they're incredible talents. So, you know, uh, uh, try to build from the peer group. I think the other point that Joe is making, which I think is a great one, is, is most editors are incredibly underwater all the time. Uh, you know, the, the volume of work that we have, the, the, the number of scripts, the number of pitches, for us to take time and get to something that's any more dense than that, at least at the initial stage, like Joe came into it with a good high concept, he has an idea of what he wants to see, he wants the writer to execute that. That's pretty far along in the process, which is good, so you could limit the amount of time that you have to put into it, uh, because you're already in a good position, but if you hand us a book, a script, or, or a 22-page script, most editors don't want to see scripts. I don't want to see a script from you guys if you're writers. I need published comic work. Like, I need to see that you've gotten a comic published. Like, there are 100 artists in here, guys. Like, if you're a writer, go find one, make yep. a comic together. The, 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 the comics are a lot like, like hip-hop in that the barrier to entry is very low. You can do it next week. You can do it in a month. Almost anyone can do it. Uh, whether it's good or not, it's a whole different thing. <laughs> but, but, you know, it's, you guys can start it. So, so get me a finished comic that I can read and that I can understand. And that's a starting place. So if you hand me a 22-page script, you're going to hand me an eight-page pitch. I'm probably not going to get to it because it's hard enough for me to get to the stuff that's already approved and in the queue that I have to get to to feed an artist so we can publish the comic. 
than it is to, to come in with something uh, that I'm going to have to dig through. Yeah, for sure. That's good. Darren, do you want to elaborate on what uh, you look for? Sure. Uh, and I know you, you have a slightly different... Yeah, I, I generally don't take pitches for stuff because I know what, what I'm publishing and I know that uh, I have to find the creative team for this. Um, sometimes I'll go to talent management at Marvel and speak to, uh, to Ricky Purden and get suggestions on, uh, do you have anybody who uh, is trying to break in? Let me see some stuff. And uh, we'll do that sort of thing. But at Marvel, that's, that's where the guys who are trying to break in you, you got to send your stuff to uh, talent management because the individual editors generally have a pool of people that we can use that are in the approved artist list that's already set up in payroll because it's a big pain to get somebody set up who's new. Um, at least for me, it might take two weeks and by that time I need to be halfway through the story. So I'll, I'll stick to the people who were in the pre-approved list. Um, but like Warren said, uh, networking is, is really huge. It's, very, it's really important. Um, if, if I get a call or an email from, from a guy who I respect and, and work with, uh, say, uh, Fabian Nicieza or Peter David or somebody like that, and he says, uh, hey, you should check out this artist. His stuff is really good. I'll, I'll, I'll definitely check it out. Um, it, it's, it's really that small of an industry that uh, if you network like that, you can definitely uh, – you could definitely reach people. Um, also, uh, like Warren said, before I got published, I, I was in production and in design, and so I was kind of stuck in, in the non-professional uh, non comic creator area. I, I was kind of uh, branded as a business guy in, in, in production and dealing with printer contracts and that sort of stuff. So um, I, I used all the connections that I had to create After Hours Press, which is a small publishing company, that uh, I published some stuff for Buddy. I published some stuff for Mike Martz. Uh, the first thing I published, Eliopolis, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, the first cover I had was by Sean Chan and Bob Layton. Um, so it's just using all that networking to put out some really good stuff. And I, I, I've written and, and optioned a few things. And it just, it just starts to roll. Once you just start doing it, um, you, you'll get better. You'll look back at stuff that you did a couple years ago and you'll think, You'll want to noodle with it and, and, and keep messing with it because you think you can do it better now, but you should just keep, keep getting better, keep doing new stuff, and uh, keep networking, and that's, that's basically uh, the way to break in. And if you're looking just to break in to a comic book company, internships are also a really great way. Um, so that, that's, that's how I got in. Were you going to say something? Oh, I was just going to say you also have to decide how much time you have to devote. You know, if you've got a full-time job or if you've got a family um, – you know, you're going to be spending a lot of time chasing work and, and creating things as well, and you have to be very practical. New people, uh, there's no track record. If you're working with someone new, whether it's a writer or an artist, and you haven't worked with them before, and if they're brand new, um, you don't know what you're going to get. You know, you hope for the best, but um, oftentimes things go terrible. Um, <laughs> so it's just important that as you're trying to do stuff, you know what it's going to take. And it takes a lot of time. I mean, it's, it's, if you've got a full-time job, this is another full-time job, you know. Yeah, and, and one thing that Darren said, which I thought was very smart, is a lot of it's about repetitions, guys. Like, you know, you're going to have to put the time in. It's yeah. all about putting the time in. Like, you know, uh, uh, guys like uh, Garth, Ennis, Alan Moore, uh, Bendis, Muller, like the, the, the top of the pops, those guys are probably writing, you know, eight, ten hours a day, yeah. every day, like clockwork. Like, this is not a job to knock out a script and then take a week off and watch TV or right. – 
Like if you want to do this, you're working, you're going to be competing and that's what you are doing. You are competing with some of the most talented people in any media ever. I mean, Hollywood is coming and absorbed all of it for a reason because it's, you know, and, and, and part of it is, is, you know, be prepared to sit at the board for 10, 12 hours a day. I mean, be prepared to be at your computer all day, every day, learning, 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 because you're only going to get better through reps. And also get out and live too, you know, I think, I think, but uh, I mean, life experience, you know, like uh, things that aren't just, it uh, depends on what you would write, but a lot of the writers that certainly the list that he mentioned, people like Garth or whatever, I mean, they, they have a tremendous amount of life experience in what they've done, where they're from, what they do, what they, what their interests are, where they apply their energy to fuel their creative process, you know, so. Yes. Get out of the house. That's, yeah. that's a good tip as well. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, uh, Joe, you were kind enough to, in addition to providing me with uh, the script that nobody can read, um, you also gave me some art, including turnarounds. Uh, can you just talk about – so I have this one, yeah. and, and then I'm going to show you the next one, and you tell me which one you want to land on. Yeah, I forgot to mention, when I, when I thought about David, I also had the artist in mind. Um, so, really, this was – Again, kind of really easy in the grand scheme of things. It's not a great example in that sense because they're not all that easy. But I had the artist in mind. The interesting thing is, is he completely fell apart on the second issue, but um, which happens. Um, and he did some turns. And obviously, this is a very famous, iconic character. But again, we were going for something that was period setting, and I wanted a certain feel. And Colton, who who did these turns and drew the first issue, as kind of a throwback painterly thing that he likes to do uh, digitally, and. Um, Having worked with uh, what we were going to do with David, we had him do these turns, and uh, I thought that, I mean, from the start, I knew he was the guy to do it, and then once he, you know, actually started drawing Betty, um, it was a no-brainer. Like, I wish he could have stuck with the whole thing, but again, these things happen. So, uh, when you guys are putting projects together, and this is to all three of the editors, um, when creators come to you, writers, should they be coming with artists, or do you prefer to mix and match? What do you, how do you guys like to work? Uh, for me, generally, we're concentrating almost exclusively on the pitch and the high concept of the story. Uh, we don't deal with, uh, we don't really focus on licensed books, which is different from, from uh, uh, where Darren and uh, uh, Joe were talking about. Yeah. But So we have a little bit more flexibility in, in that Matt can, and I can discuss a pitch for Divinity, and then Matt can go and write the pitch, and we can come with a high concept, and then we'll cast the book after that point in time with the artist. Uh, if it's an exceptional artist, it's always helpful. Yeah. It doesn't hurt. Uh, you know, if you guys have a pitch with Alex Ross, come talk to me after. You know <laughs> what I mean? But uh, uh, all joking aside, uh, uh, just focus on locking the story. That is the most important thing. Everything comes from that. What is the story? What is the characterization, the high concept? Uh, uh, once, you, once you focus on that and lock that, everything else will fall into place. And where's it going? You know, where where do you see it going? I mean, I think you know, in this in this day and age, um, story arcs, at least for some things, are a little shorter. The attention span's a little shorter. We planned for this Betty Page thing to be four issues, performed well, so we expanded it out. And the writer had more stuff he could do. When I, you know, very eleventh hour said, by the way, we're going past issue four. You know, which is a good thing. You know, it doesn't always happen, but it's a good thing. So, yeah, that's 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 really a great point. Comic book publishing is is still very much. Uh, rooted in in the month to month, yeah. You know, we, we generally work in four issue arcs. Uh, some of our, you know, we're targeting twenty five issues uh, for the most part with all of our characters. So, you know, but but the focus be flexible. Be prepared to have an editor call you up. You know, you'll hear hundreds of stories like this, where the guy's like, "I know you wanted to go twelve, but we're going eight. Yep. You know, how are we going to wrap this up? And the writer's like, "Eh," or yeah. 
you know, this worked out great. Well, you know, what's the next story? So y you have to be flexible. It's just still a very, you know, we, we publish 22 pages of, of original art every 28 days, essentially. And at Valiant, we work on a much longer timeline. We have six, nine months planned out in some of the stuff. But at the end of the day, you know, as Joe was saying earlier, you know, sometimes things don't go exactly as planned. So it's really a very rough... Uh, uh, fluid, I think, would be the word. Fluid. <laughs> it's very fluid. Yes, that's, that's a great word. Is that the it. euphemism? Sure. <laughs> so just be prepared to be flexible. And, and you know, when you're breaking in for the first time, you guys just got to grind. Just got to grind, 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 grind. You know, get 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 your, your pitches, your stories, you know, <laughs> the comics into 100 editors' hands. Right. You know, put the stuff online, put it on social media. Uh, uh, one, one, one big thing I would like to mention, too, is if you do get your break, don't be late. Um, if if you blow a deadline and you're, you, it's the first time I've used you, I probably won't use you again. Um, it, it's just like Warren said, we're we're all underwater, and if the stuff doesn't come in, there's repercussions from from me for, for from the client or from uh, editorial or from from uh, distribution. The book being late is, is a big deal. It means lost money. Um, it also means that uh, you're you're uh, you're going to be piling on to your letterer or your colorist. Um, all of the uh, all the deadlines that you blew, uh, they're going to have to work overnight to uh, to accommodate the deadline. It, um, it all rolls downhill. That euphemism is uh, is one hundred percent correct as well. Uh, I've heard that uh, being on time is is almost as important as as how good it looks or how well it reads. Once once you're making that stuff happen, you have to be professional and have that work ethic and and be able to sit down for eight hours and just pound it out. Um, and and that that for me is really hard, um, and I know for a lot of you guys it probably is too. But uh, once you get into that habit, it becomes easier. I guess kind of like working out a little bit. It's hard to start, but once once you get into that habit, it does get easier. And also, on, I think honesty is incredibly important in the relationship between all of the creative elements because there is not an excuse that I have not heard, and I know when that's bullshit. So. Um, but honesty goes a long way. You know, things happen. Life happens. People get sick. People get hurt. Family members die. You know, um, at the end of the day, it's just comics. And, you know, um, so on, but if you have that relationship where things are honest and I know that things are coming or you can tell me that things are coming down the, down the pipe and they're not good, then I can make the steps I need rather than have to do them at the absolute end. Yeah, there's, there's a saying uh, it, that you need to be two of three things. You need to either be really fast, really good, or really nice. <laughs> and you need to be two of those three things. Now, uh, as Joe mentioned, you know, we're, we're, not, we're not monsters. Life happens. People fall. They break their arms. Their kids get sick. You know, there are a million things that happened. The most important thing, as he mentioned, is just being open, communicating with your editor. You know, if you're, if you're not going to make the deadline and we're, we've got two weeks to go and eight pages to get done, if I know with two weeks' time, you know, there are a million things that I can do to get that done. If I know on the Friday it's supposed to leave house, it is not going to be a good conversation. No. So just, you know, be open and honest with your editor. That's, like, the most important thing, certainly. So I know that a lot of the people here are excited that real editors are here in the room and are thinking about how they might approach you. Um, what I'd like you to do is explain some of the right and w wrong ways to approach an editor, either at a convention or even following up. What are some suggestions that people can do to uh, fit the triangle of being nice? Because you don't know if they're good and fast yet. Sure, can sure. you talk a little bit right. about uh, the right way to approach you? 
for me, you know, if you guys have sample packets and you want to drop them off at the Valiant booth, everything will get read or it will get looked at eventually. It will take time. Uh, uh, as we were mentioning before, we're all underwater for the most part. Uh, you know, we have projects that are in that, that we have scripts that are sitting waiting to go to artists. I'm not waiting for a long time, but, you know, all that stuff is in the queue. So just be patient. Be very focused and be, be hungry and, and, you know, be persistent. Don't be rude. But, you know, send me a package every six weeks. You know, send every editor in the industry a package every six <laughs> weeks. You know, s send PDFs. You know, put yourself on social media. Also, you know, don't make, don't wait for me to tell you that you're ready to go in. Show me why, show me, you know, why you're ready. I mean, you know, you know, Art Spiegelman coming to me with samples for Mouse, I'm not going to hire that guy because I cannot use that work. But, but if I said that to him, I'm going to take away, you know, well, Art doesn't care, but... But if I said that to another young artist, you know, just because it doesn't fit at Valiant doesn't right. mean that it's not great or that it's not amazing. You know, Mouse is one of my favorite books. It's one of the best books probably in the history of our medium. But I can't use that art at Valiant because it just doesn't fit what our style is or what we're going for. But that doesn't mean that it's not amazing. Same thing with, you know, uh, uh, Rainer's work or, or any number of people out there. So, you know, don't wait for me to tell you that you're ready. Show me why you're ready. You know, go out there, get an audience for yourself, build it. You know, build the comic. Don't wait for Valiant or, or Marvel or DC or anyone or Dynamite to come in and, like the hand of God and anoint you as ready to go. You know, you guys have to build this stuff yourself. You have to show us why it's, you know, it, why there's no question about how good it is. Yeah, when, when I do portfolio reviews and I see something that is to the side of what I would consider to be commercial, I always encourage the person to, well, one, decide what they want to do. You know, what, I mean, uh, the, the mouse example is fantastic because, you know, Art Spiegelman's not going to draw Spider-Man, but he didn't want to. Um, so decide what you want to do. If you want to do superhero books, you know, you got to have art that looks commercial for a superhero book, but you don't have to do a superhero book. And I, I tell this to people all the time. You are, there is no better time. Sorry. There is no better time. Um, I, I project generally very, very well anyway. Um, <laughs> I think you sound great. <laughs> <laughs> there, is, there is no better time to do your own thing. You're, the resources are unlimited in terms of distribution uh, with the Internet and the availability of networking and finding people across the world to work on stuff. And it doesn't have to be Spider-Man stories. You know, it can be whatever. I mean, again, some of the most interesting stuff being in co done in comics, aside from the direct market, uh, you know, uh, mainstream publishers is is graphic novel, you know, the graphic novel explosion and, and a story for everybody, basically. So, and Darren, would you address the same thing? Sure. Um, portfolio reviews are, are important, so you guys understand how what your talent level is. You, you don't want to shoot too high if you're not ready. Um, if, if you're sending me stuff and it's obviously not ready, then maybe a year from now when you are ready, I'll I, I may remember you like the guy who kept sending me stuff last year but you want to go to these portfolio reviews they're very helpful um usually they have them at i don't know if the valiant booth does portfolio reviews the marvel booth i think does um i think dc does as well if i don't even know if they're here but uh they're done in our are they mm -hmm. okay yeah you can find portfolio reviews there, there's people here willing to do them i've done them they're 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 actually really helpful to you guys it, it's not fun waiting in line or trying to get that appointment or all that but once you get there they, they can be helpful and they can lead to something so and and like warren was saying uh, style is important um some of the books that i do the one that buddy writes is, is a uh 
is Avengers Assemble. It's about it's it's the cartoon uh, version of the Avengers. Um, so I look for someone who has like a young reader style who can match that. Um, so if if your stuff is is good for that style, then I'll be interested. But you have to understand who you're showing stuff to and what your style matches against. If you have a really dark and gritty style, you're not gonna you're not gonna approach Archie. You know, you you you, you might, well maybe. Well, late, you can now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, you can now. <laughs> but uh, indie publishing is one way to do it. Uh, I, I think it's the best way because if you have published work. Um, that that's that speaks for your work ethic and it also gives us a chance to look right at the stuff if you have a website uh, that we could go to that that uh, where we can see sequential art not just pinups but uh, sequential art uh, so we can see what your storytelling is like um, there another thing that I usually say when I'm doing portfolio reviews is if you're a penciler just show us pencils it, you know if you're if you're an inker then show us the inks next to the pencils that you inked over so we can see what you did. Um, I've seen a lot of artists who, who penciled, inked, and colored their own work, and it, it doesn't look very good. And I, I don't know, they might be a great penciler, maybe they just, they're just a terrible colorist. But it, whatever you want to be, that's what we should be seeing. Um, not, not, uh, don't show me the two things that you're bad at. Uh, show me the thing that you're best at. Um, and if it's a published book, make sure you, you know, just tell me you did the pencils or you did all the art, uh, whatever it is. So, and yeah, and com- yep. go ahead. Joe, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> what I tell also is uh, take your old samples out. Yep. Yeah. You have a portfolio <laughs> for like three years. Yeah. Your stuff from, you know, three years ago is in the front. Put the most recent stuff up front so we can tell yep. your growth. You know, you don't have to keep the old stuff back there. Uh, and also, there was one other thing that I read not too long ago where someone said that to break in, you need to do a page a day. I could not disagree with that more. Like, you know, speed helps. If you could do a book in four or five weeks, fantastic. You know, but I have guys who I work with who do books in literally 12 weeks. It'll take the little page and a half a week. Uh, I have a lot of gray hair in the front of my head because of that. <laughs> but, uh, but I'll schedule someone six to eight to 12 months out because I know that they're going to have four issues done in, in 18 months, and that's what we need to give them. But the work is beautiful. So don't worry about hacking through it and getting something done in, in four weeks if, it, if it, you can't do it. If you can do it, if you can draw like John Arena Jr., who could knock out an amazing book in probably three and a half weeks if need be. You know, Johnny's one of my favorites. He's a genius. He's also a rocket. Uh, uh, there, there are guys like that in this medium who are savants. Uh, but you don't have to set that goal. That's a very difficult goal to achieve. Yeah. I was just going to also mention for aspiring artists, um, breaking in on uh, cover gigs is like one of the toughest. You know, as an unknown um, it's going to be very hard to show your portfolio and get a cover assignment. In fact, it's probably going to be impossible. Um, you know, the covers, wh- whether they're done by the people that are already working on the interiors or whether they are done by people that are just bringing people to, uh, to stores because of who they are. Like you mentioned Alex Ross earlier. Those are the guys that are going to get the cover slots, you know, to start with. Not to say that down the road, once you start getting work that that's not going to be an evolution but i see a lot of people assume hey i'd love to draw a james bond number one cover and i'm nobody um it's just it's it's not going to happen you know with with certain things so so you guys learning a lot we getting a lot out of this getting a lot out of this right all right, this is, uh, this is your opportunity to ask some questions. So um, I'm going to ask, we'll, we'll probably have time for about four or five. So come on over here if you're going to be interested. You were first. Uh, 
and speak uh, your first name, where you're from, and again, like last panel, what, what you like most about Maple. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my name is George. I'm from Boston. And what I like most about Buddy, he's been doing this for 10 years, and he hasn't stopped. And he's probably helped make a lot of comics from people meeting each other around here. Uh, my question is on the management side of it, as I am working with artists right now. And so the question and advice I'm looking for is, uh, how do you encourage the artist to maybe keep moving as deadlines are looming, but do it in a positive, encouraging way that doesn't ruin the project? Are you paying them? Yes. OK. That, that's the best way, right? And there. that's the thing. I'm paying them on time. Yeah. You know, for me, it's just, it's just you know, we run through the deadlines. I run through the deadlines with my editors every week. You know, we have a meeting for an hour. We, walk, we, we chart, you know, 22 pages divided by how many weeks, and that's your number. And, and when that number gets into a red zone, it's, it's you know, we're, we're very good at planning. I'm sure Joe is as well. When you're managing a ton of books, you have to know, you know, you have a track record, so you have a history of, hopefully you have a history with this person, so you know whether he or she can hit how many pages a week she can hit. You know, do they have a day job? Uh, uh, I just almost had a heart attack because one of my pencils decided to go on tour with a band for a week, and he didn't tell me that until he got back. He's like, "Sorry, I'm late. I was out on tour." I was like, "Oh, thank you." You know, uh, but but um, you know, just call, just talk to them. The thing that I tell the young editors all the time is, just don't send an email and think your job is done. Yeah. Like it, your job is to get the pages in the door. It is not to send out an email. Like call them. Call them every two days. How you doing? You know what I mean? Just open lines of communication. I think if you have the time, that's the most important thing. Well, let's uh, let's keep it rapid fire. Thank you very much. Uh, you talked a lot about. Oh, sorry. I'm Kat. I'm from DC, um, and I really like these panels. So, <laughs> um, you talked. You had a lot of advice for upcoming writers and artists, but I was wondering if you had advice for people who are interested in becoming editors for comics and what you want to do for that. Yeah. <laughs> Inter, you know, it, I think someone someone here mentioned. I don't know if Marvel and DC still do. Well, DC's on the West Coast, but I don't know. Uh, I mean, internships, um, hooking up with smaller press. Um, you know, it depends on where you want to go. You know, there's there's Valiant's here in New York. We have an office here in New York. Marvel's here in New York. But then, you know, Dark Horse is out in Portland. Um, Image is now out in Portland. So, I mean, it, it, you kind of you kind of got to be in a spot where there's a company that you can try to get in. I mean, his, his entry was different than mine, which was different than his, you know, but you got to be in a spot to start that. Just just get in the door. That That's the main thing. Yeah, an internship pro program will do that. Or working mm -hmm. in another department, if you have another another set of skills, you know, and transition over into something, like as, as Darren did. Yep. Hi, um, my name is Tim. I'm from New York. And I, I also really like these panels. They're very informative. Um, so my question was actually that exact same question, so I'll, I'll be a little more specific. Um, if someone is trying to get into editing and they are trying to network with editors, what is something that you guys like to see? Because um, like an artist can bring a portfolio and a writer can bring pitches, but if you're trying to get into editing, what's something that we can bring to show you that we can talk to you guys about? A machine gun. No, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, having of, a background. A bottle of fine bourbon. You see, bo a <laughs> bottle of fine bourbon, yep. Um, the, what I'd say is uh, if you have a background uh, in some type of uh, uh, story, for me, I came in as a story editor. That's, that's really what my strength is. Uh, uh, as a journalist, I kind of learned how to write. 
uh, having a background as a dramaturg, as a as a story editor, uh, uh, as a film person, you know, working in in story in some way, shape, or form is invaluable. Uh, at least at least at Valiant, you know, that's what we prized when I was at Marvel. That was incredibly important as well. Uh, there are other editors who I worked with who are art, who are, who who know color inside out. They're they're art editors. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, they came in that way. Um, so so it, it just depends upon your background and what you want to do. But uh, I'd really encourage you to to drill down on storytelling as much as possible. You know, read Story by McKee, read Here with a Thousand Faces by Joseph Campbell. Understand the basic broad elements of storytelling that have built up everything that we do. You know, try to try to learn that stuff. You know, I was obsessed with trying to read that stuff as much as possible. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah, I know human resources at Marvel seems to like uh, English majors or art majors, so that uh, that looks good too. Hi, name is Zarif. I'm from New York, and my favorite thing about Buddy is his energy. He just brings it <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so my question is, is there a time of year that's better for new submissions for you guys, you know, where you're slightly less underwater, or is it kind of no. the same? <laughs> yeah, definitely don't target con season. Yeah. Definitely don't do con sure. season. Con season never ends. Yeah, stay away from San Diego, New York. Yeah, you know, the big ones. The big ones, Seattle, Chicago. Yeah. Uh, but I would say just be persistent. Keep them coming. You know, be persistent. Uh, hi, my name is Greg. Uh, I'm from Brooklyn by way of New Jersey. Uh, my favorite thing about Buddy is the comic book school newsletter. I always find it uh, very helpful. Uh, my question is, uh, well, I'm a writer, uh, but I'm also very much interested in editing. And, you know, you look at a lot of these older uh, Marvel comics in particular, DC as well, uh, there are a lot of writers and artists who are on the editorial side. Are the days of that happening over? Like, can a writer be an editor as well? I, I'm just, because these guys had, especially Lauren had the writing background, I am not a writer. I'm an editor. And I've never wanted to be a writer. So that's, I mean, I think it's it's different. I think that the separation is probably more important now just because of um, all the elements that are involved. But, you know, over at IDW, Chris Rial, who's their, um, their, ch their uh, chief creative officer, he writes a bunch of their stuff because he's a writer. He's a writer that happens to also be an editor. So I think it's really an individual thing and, what, and, and also whatever's going on at the company, you know. Yeah, I, I have not written anything for Valiant. Uh, I, I've written stuff in the past, but, but for me and for, for us, it's incredibly important that there's a separation there as yeah. well. It's also you know, about time, too. It's about time, <laughs> yeah. It's it's about time. It's also, you know, there was a period in the 90s or in the 80s, I forget when it was, where when I came to Marvel, we talked about this, where an editor would be like, uh, hey, you want to write that issue of Hulk? And right. Then he'd be like, right. hey, yeah, how about X-Men? Because the royalties were insane. Yeah. So so the editors were just giving each other work, which does yeah. not make for the best comics at all. Yeah. You know, it's much yeah, better. They, they don't do that anymore. Yeah, it's it, they didn't do that when I was there in two thousand two. Darren, you know. you're I, you're a writer though. I well, know you're a writer. Well, I'm a, I think they go hand in hand. If if uh, you're an editor, you understand story. Uh, I started off as a writer. Um, editing was something that uh, I started doing when I came to Marvel because it was something I did with After Hours Press. I basically edited um, all the books that we published, the stuff that Mike and Buddy wrote, and the stuff that I wrote. Um, Buddy would look at so. Uh, 
buddy never had an exper experience as an editor either, but he was a writer, so we would trust each other to look at each other's stuff. So there, there is some of that hand-in-hand, hand, the, the skill. And a, as an editor in Marvel, I've, I've had to rewrite some stuff as well, um, but that, that's a little different than some of the normal editors because I'm working with clients, and it, if a writer's just not getting what Lexus wants him to say, I'll, I'll change it because I have to. But that's, that's, like I said, that's a little different. It, regular editors at Marvel, there is a separation. Um, they, the writers tell the stories. The editors, they just make sure the continuity is good and, and, and that they follow you know, whatever storyline goes with the guys' storylines that are going over there. Um, they're the organizers, basically. Um, they don't like to step on those toes. There's a, there's a clear separation. Um, so, but I, I think they go hand in hand. I think if you're a good writer, that you'll be a better editor, personally. So, so time flies when you're having fun. Thank you very much. I'm gonna well, one more question because I need to leave time for the rest of the to close it. I I apologize in advance. We will. This is the last one. Okay. Hi, I'm Chris. I'm an illustrator from Rochester, New York. My question is, when you're working on a project and you need to revise a scene or replace a scene, how would you go about doing that? Who would you tell your team first, like the writer, the penciler, the inker? How do you keep them informed on this? Do you have any advice Are you on talking that? about is you're, you're making a change to something that, as, as, a, as an artist, that the writer has given you and the, the editor has given you? Yeah. Don't, like don't do that. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... You, you talk you talk about it it's about it's about communication the, you know there is nothing is ever set in stone you know some writers want everything followed and that's who they are and usually those are the people that Warren's mentioned several times that are uh, at the top but it's also it's a collaborative process and if they have a trust level with the artist that they're working with of course the artist can sometimes find a way to make it better or to present it better or to change things here or there or to or to, to, to shift the scene a little bit but don't ever do it without somebody knowing and don't ever just take the initiative on your own to do it without having that discussion. Yeah, I'll, I'll walk through you know uh, uh, the lettering stage with my writer and we might change 10 to 15 lines. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but I'll never ever change a line unilaterally without talking to him. I never want a writer to open up a book and see something printed right. that he did not write. If that happens, it's a disaster yeah. because then he can't trust you or you can't trust him or whatever it is. It's the same thing with the art style. So hopefully you'll get layouts in, like what he was showing earlier, so that you have an understanding of what the storytelling is before you move to pencils. Like if someone's handing you eight pages of finished pencils and you need, you know, I have guys who do that and the understanding is if I need a tweak, we have to make it. Yep. Like if you wanna go right to pencils, depending upon who you are, I'm cool with it. But if something gets messed up, we have to, we have to tweak it. So it's just about, as Joe was saying, just talking, just being open, just you know, keeping ego out of it. Ego is toxic. If there's something wrong, like uh, if one of the characters doesn't fly and they have them flying, then you have the writer or the artist, depends on what step you catch that at, you have that person fix that. that that's the ideal way to do it. So, okay, so clearly we're, we're just about out of time. The next panel's about to start, so a little bit of housekeeping. Um, number one, I would like uh, Joe to tell people where they can find you or the Dynamite booth uh, and uh, something that you're especially proud of that they should be looking for. Um, we're at booth 1829, and actually uh, our uh, Shadow Batman is out this week. Uh, we did a crossover with DC. They did a Batman Shadow, and our version Shadow Batman is out this week. So. And a big round of applause for Joe Ryband.
Warren, same question. Where can they find you? And what's something that you're extremely proud of that they can find? We're at booth 1635 upstairs. Uh, the first issue of Exo Manowar or Secret Weapons. Both of those, I think we have two of the three highest rated books in the industry, according to the comic book aggregate site, Comic Book Roundup. We're really proud of them. Uh, check them out upstairs. Eric Heiser, uh, the guy who wrote Arrivals, writing Secret Weapons for us. He's upstairs. Go talk to him. Go get a signature. He's awesome. Uh, one of the sweetest guys in the industry and an absolute powerhouse talent. Warren Simons, everybody. Thank you. You know, these guys don't get a, a lot of applause. You know what I mean? Like, they're editors. It's they all booze all day long. <laughs> Darren Sanchez, what's, uh, wh wh where can they find you? And I'll be at the Marvel booth uh, most of the weekend, um, floating around. Basically, uh, you could find me there. Um, th one of the things I wanted to uh, tell you uh, that uh, we just finished is a Avengers comic. Um, it was for Northrop Grumman. Uh, it was done by Fabian and uh, Sean Chen. Um, it, it just came online. Excuse me. Just came online. It's marvel.com slash N-G-E-N. And uh, you can check it out. It's a digital comic. They're also giving away the printed version at the Marvel booth. Uh, we just finished that one. Nice. Darren Sanchez, everybody. All right, just so you know, this is... These are their social media handles. We're going to be uh, allowing them to uh, leave the room. They're going to be going out this way. We'll be starting our next panel. So just understand that everybody wants to talk to them. Uh, thank you all very much. A final round of applause for our panelists. This has been Secrets of the Sire. We will catch you next week.